good morning welcome people today maybe you know just hello to all the new people and welcome rajiv kapil and who else hi everybody vivek ek mahesh hi hi mahesh are all all old people so <laughs> i did not include them in the new people okay welcome yeah I think we we probably yeah. have a full quorum today, except for maybe nobody is there today. I think Dubey is missing, but I think we have almost everyone otherwise. Yeah, there so are like thirteen people on here. Fantastic. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Sonali. Good to see you after a while. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you all too. Great. Hi, Kishore. It's dark, dark and and right to here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Consciousness. We need some light in the morning here. <laughs> right. Great. So maybe we should just kick off the discussion. Ajay, I think we should kick off with you today. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've been sort of just mulling over it. In fact, I had a very useful conversation with Alpna this morning, uh, just to clear up my head. But uh, I was quite fascinated, uh, Rajesh. By the uh, the chart that you had sent uh, around, you know the Jiva on one side and uh, and Ishvara on the other side, this and one? how the uh, I can't see it. Sorry, uh, are you pointing one out? Yeah, yeah, the one which I had sort of uh, recirculated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and and you know how you know we are as Jivas a Back in that sort of massive universe, right? And how we therefore receive only a very small part of that original consciousness reflecting on us, and uh, and how therefore it's kind of defined as a vidya and ignorance, and how coming out of that ignorance eventually kind of results in merging with the Ishvara. So to me, that was a very sort of profound uh, thought and. That triggered actually a number of questions, some of which I sort of wrote down in the in this group, around sort of the, you know, origin of uh, Maya, uh, which I think is a bit of a circular kind of point, because Maya itself is, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a I, I call it I was telling Alpana I, I call it like uh, imagination, and you know the matter as. Swami P sort of uh, talks about as just like that one little figment of that imagination, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it is still it is still mithya, right? And so I was trying to reconcile in my mind how that is different. And I think one interesting sort of thought which came in my discussion with Alpana was that that is in ways sort of in some ways what differentiates between the Advaita and the and the Sankhya school of uh, of Vedanta, where the whole question of duality and non-duality comes in. Yeah. But uh, but you know, I mean, in that sort of whole creation piece, I, I look back and I read a lot of other stuff. But to me, the that chart is actually very very succinct and profound, uh, and it kind of reasonably. Uh, I mean, I won't say completely because it is complex, but it reasonably kind of lays out the logical basis of the existence of this universe. Right and the individual and the jiva, etc. So, no, it, uh, I mean, I, I to me, I spent a lot of time in that earlier part of the week, 
Uh, and then, as I said earlier in my message, I found the whole, you know, to me, the most profound aha moment in the Gita learnings. I mean, there have been several, of course, but the Karma Yoga piece has been absolutely awesome. I mean, it just explains so much about life, so much about sort of questions that we have, the whys of many of those. Uh, it's, it was, it was, I mean, it, to me, that was like really eye-opening. Fantastic. And, and uh, you know, the only comment that I have on what you said, uh, Ajay, is when I watched Matrix as a movie, right, after they mm. movies, I've, I've gotten lost. And think about Maya. Maya is like Matrix to the power of infinity to the power of infinity. It's not possible for us to understand it. True. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can completely agree with that. But, you know, that's why, that's why always I, I, I wonder, you know, okay, okay. I think Alpana, you wrote it once, saying that if you, if you can think of it, it's Maya. Like, I, absolutely right. You know, you can't think that thing out, saying that it's all Maya, this is all Brahman. This is only one. And then reconcile, saying that all this Maya is nothing but Brahman. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's the way that we have to reconcile it. And even this whole imagination, the Maya piece, you know, it is so complex, logical, scientific, log you know, it just, it, it works like precision, right? So it is yeah. not as if, you know, this Maya is like just imaginary and it's random and it just floats around and, you know, there is like almost like a, you know, a universe, a real universe within that Maya, right? I mean, it works as in like, in terms of how real sort of it should, I mean, you know, I got to choose my word carefully. I know, but <laughs> in this in this, in this but, discussion, in a real means something else now. <laughs> real means something else, exactly. But you know, it is so precise. And uh, you know, one of the comments I read about uh, Stephen Hawkins uh, about the whole Big Bang and the you know how the universe and the scientific sort of uh, realm came into being, and he actually writes, you know, that how the that sort of Big Bang happened, how the universe expanded at the at the rate of sort of. Okay. You know, trillions of knots or whatever, right? But he also makes a very subtle and very interesting point. He says, if if the speed at which, which at which the universe was created was even like a fraction of a second or a microsecond slower or faster, the whole thing would have collapsed. Hmm. There is a sort of a very unique sort of equilibrium under which the whole sort of Maya universe, Maya in the Vedanta piece and the universe in sort of the more modern way of thinking or scientific kind of thought process, they all exist with a huge amount of precision and equilibrium. And it's like that tenuous balance that the creator has done, which is kind of something to be marveled at. Simply. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, here, here, I would like to add one more thing. I also amazed it's like every day, you know, the sun rises exactly at 6.15, whatever the time may be, you know, at precisely at that time, every day without fail. It doesn't delay, it's not fast forward or anything. It's just that a perfect equilibrium or balance of precision is there all throughout the universe. Everything yeah. is very, you know, this, everything is very precise. Whatever is happening in the, all the, you know, the galactic forces they are working very precisely at very precise time at very precise moments. So, so, so now let's, let's stay with that part. So the question is, when everything is so precise, why do we find ourselves sometimes in, in out of balance? 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that is what it is. You know, we need to think and discuss like why? Why? So there is a huge amount of what you say. Um, uh, 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 forgetting the word. There's a huge amount of like it's like everything is very orchestrated. The whole universe is like very orchestrated, very precise, very time bound, everything. But still, there's a lot of chaos within our lives. You know. So how 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 does I mean those those universal forces do have an effect on our body, but still they are they don't and I, I'm what I say everything is very synced. The whole world is very synced with, but we are not in sync with the with the natural forces. That's where I want to dive deeper into this discussion, so like, right? You know, uh, so, Sonali, that's where I want to dive deeper. Yeah. Say we are not in sync. I think that is where the point we'll have to contemplate. Right? We means who? The 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 Maya that we have to discuss. <laughs> I think I think except you know other other than us, I think you know everybody in the nature follows the you know the laws the laws of the nature. I think you know it's only I think we are uh, probably the the maya in us makes us not follow or get confused <laughs> exactly exactly actually why do you yeah. think so we follow it too no 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 i i i would say you know maybe maybe in the ancient times we would follow in the sense like you know eating by seven o'clock then sleeping by nine or ten and waking up by five in the morning and you know but these days with uh, so much of technology and uh, you know like distractions, like television. Suppose, uh, you know, I want to sleep at nine o'clock, but there is a cricket match going on uh, so, uh, some part of the world in England, which I need to see. So I have to stay awake till late night. So I cannot sleep at nine o'clock. Okay. So I have to stay awake till 12 or one, maybe to watch the cricket match. So there is just so much of, uh, I mean, activity around us that makes us deviate from our uh, like uh, from uh, from the way we sync with the nature, you know, it's not Indeed. possible to stay within those time. Like eat at a particular time, sleep at a particular. I would say those are the basic things that we need to do to stay in sync with nature: is eat and sleep at a particular time, which are you know with the with the what it's called the circadian rhythm, uh, with the natural you know uh, phenomena. So and oftentimes because of all these activities that we are involved in in life, we deviate from them. Goes back to the fourfold qualification. Yeah. Nature has a way, right? So if we deviate, we pay for it. Definitely, definitely it takes a toll on our health. It takes a toll on our health, but then the science is also improving. So science finds a remedy to you know take care of your health. So as the science is evolving, I think you know we are deviating more and more uh, from the nature, the laws of nature, and science is somehow accommodating us to deviate from the laws of nature and still staying reasonably okay. You know, people like the what do you say? The longevity of people have increased. Uh, even though you are deviating more from the laws of nature, you know. Question that. 
Satyug may we used to live for thousand years. Oh, <laughs> I'm saying in the present time, in the last hundred years, I'm saying I'm keep saying in the, this context, in this context, yeah. last hundred years maybe. Not Satyug. Thousand year life is. Thousand year life is uh, coming as well. Yeah, it'll come back. May not be in the form or shape of what might have been known in Satyug. Yeah, so. We will get Satyuk back as well after Kalyu. It's cyclical, the, right? After Kalyuk, Satyuk will come. Yeah. So right now it's a big Kalyuk, so after not so much of chaos. Because what I heard is like the more science and technology evolves, there'll be more chaos, more anxieties evolving among people because we don't know how to handle it. And eventually that will settle down and Satyuk will again come. So, so Alta, what what kind of causes like the transition from one youth to another? Is it uh, pralayam or is it like natural? No, no, it's natural. Okay. Natural deterioration of the dharma. Okay. Actually, if you look at it, you know, uh, let's talk about that for a second, right? The way that is, uh, the uh, Brahman has created Brahma. Brahma is like us. He sleeps every day and he wakes up every day. Only thing is, his day is much much more longer compared to what our day is and likewise between brahma and between between brahma and us there is somebody else one entity one principle between us which is called as uh, devas and uh, oh, no. those devas it is six months six of human months as uh, the night and six months a day and now you can make out the diff you can make out the reason why we are doing the chaturmasa uh, chaturmasa fasting right so we are trying to get in tune with nature in all these words during these six months okay, when the quote unquote that those principles the the deva principles are sleeping so basically the 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 power of whatever if let's say that i want to do something if if, if i want nature to co coordinate and cooperate with me then i have to work with nature this time when nature which is those deva elements like you know yeah uh, the the different shaktis which are sleeping quote unquote then if i do something with, with then the scripture is prescribed if you do this you'll get in sync with nature that's why we it's probably very difficult to explain to a scientific person they don't believe anything beyond you know human body and existence that's an unfortunate reality but you know when we when, in this context i think i can explain that in that fashion VP, Vivek, Mahesh. Yeah, so if, if I may, uh, I mean, you know, I'm very uninitiated. This is my first session in Gita. And actually, first of all, thanks to Alpana for, for accommodating. I think it's the latest at her time zone. Um, I, I'm, look, I mean, you know, this philosophy is addresses the why of our existence. Uh, and, and we have come from a point of what we are busy with, you know, uh, our, our degrees, our jobs, uh, where we live, what we eat, that's all the what of life. And what we are, in my mind, what we're addressing is the why. But I'm all in all of the how, which is, which connects the why and the what. There was an article here, we, we, you might know about Stonehenge, where are these, these ancient stones, 5,000 year old stones. Mm -hmm. 
And they found a gigantic one buried about two and a half kilometers away, um, which is, I mean, the heaviest stone known was about three tons. And this is about five tons. So people are wondering, walking around, wondering how did, how did those stones move 5,000 years back from Wales, which is, which is about you know, a few hundred miles. Um, there is a how and why. I mean, I, 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 think, I think it was Ajay who mentioned uh, the, the, the black hole and the precision. That's, that's just mind-blowing, the precision of this study, the precision of this knowledge of Tathabodha, which came about so long back, which has not been challenged, which is, there have been no wars that have been fought behind it. There have been no battles. There's no disagreement on this. So, so that how is very marvelous, um, the, the, the figuring of that. And, 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 and it's pretty inspiring to, to think about the hows of this, uh, this knowledge as well. Yeah. Reflection. Uh, practical usefulness of the knowledge, right? It's not that it's theoretical knowledge. You can actually apply it. Precisely. I mean, you know, I can, I can see that, you know, the last two years of, uh, you know, yoga plus three, uh, plus the meditation that you started and, and, and the study of Gita is completely transformed my life in two, three years um, in, in that regard. So that's my contribution. Yeah. Can we also cover a lot of what? Because in fact, uh, Buddha was asked, what are you, not who are you? Because who is usually referring to an individual, whereas what refers to the essence? So we actually answer the question, what are we? And what is this about? So we, we answer more of what than who. And, 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 you know, questions like who or when or where, these are all what questions, actually. Yeah. yeah. They all fall yeah. under the bigger group of... Exactly, yeah. So that's what, yeah, I wanted to point out, that we actually answer what. Today, the topic that we were talking about was the karmas. Um, and, and we wanted to start up with Ishwara and Jiva. I think we did that. Do we still want to mull some more time on Ishwara and Jiva and then move to karmas? I think Anu was saying something. <laughs> no, um, then Nirvana said more about what. It, it kind of does address the question what, doesn't it? It is, yes. Because it's not so much as who, as much as it is a what. Yeah, what I'm not, yeah. Don't say what I'm not. We keep saying Nirvana Shatakam. Yeah, the first line itself says, I am not I. I, I do think that once you actually read it a few times, you realize that it's, it's, everything is done in a, in a manner, right? I mean, that's how at least I have perceived it. That, uh, um, you know, there's nothing beyond that. So I, I actually enjoy that a lot. In fact, I've started chanting it in the morning, uh, right after meditation. 
it's calming. It's very nice. I, I, I last year when I visited uh, Swamiji, I, I told him, Swamiji, I'm not able to uh, do something. Then he said, uh, what are you doing? Then I told him, all I do is just sit down and uh, repeat multiple times for 30, 40 minutes. He said, keep on doing it. Only your uh, your your own inner self will guide you what to do. That's all, he said. <laughs> wow. And that's, that, that summarizes the essence of what we are learning, right? It's so many textbooks, so many, you know, listenings and readings and all that, you know, it's a ready record that, that uh, Adi Shankaracharya has given us to listen to it. Yeah, and every time I, I, I hear it or, or chant it, I, I find new meaning in it somehow, as in or a deeper meaning, if you will. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I, you know, there a lot of things, you know, a lot of chants you do kind of get, uh, you know, you get sort of almost bored of it in a way because it kind of, you, you've imbibed it enough. This one grows on you. Probably like, like discovering those two new books in your bookshelf, Ajay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was cleaning it up and I was like, oh, I have these two books. I didn't even know about them. <laughs> <laughs> That's really that. That is really nice, actually. I, I've seen I've seen those uh, similar things happening. The, some shelf, something or the other will be lying in. But, oh, I I had this. I have two three copies of the same book sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered Sombaria Lehri in my bookshelf. Oh wow! Months ago, and I remember I had looked at it. I said, no, this is not what I read it. It was beautiful. Saundarya Lehri. Saundarya Lehri. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Which explains the creation again from a different. You know. You know the the first the very first talk of Saundarya Lehri. You know that uh, Shiv Shakti. So, you know somehow I have been saying that. You know my my aunt taught me when I was probably five six years and you know I used to say. You know, unfortunately, without knowing the meaning, you know, I, I know I have, I, I know it by heart. And even now, if I have to say, I will say that. But, um, you know, it was so nice to see the meaning and with our knowledge, with with whatever is happening in the last four or five months, you know, I was able to really, you know, uh, get to that, actually. I mean, it was so, so nice, actually. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we just do it everything by heart, you know, we're not really knowing the meaning. Me and me and Mahesh, we grew up listening to Sondhir Lahari by us by my group of you know sing singers with meaning. You knew the meaning. You knew the meaning also no. that time. No, no, no. Yeah. nothing. Uh, Did not know. <laughs> we could we could chant though, easily say, it, but meaning was never never in the. We were more bothered, sub given after us on the layer. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so one of the things on just uh, to round up of creation. I mean, one thing which sort of really stuck in my mind was, uh, you know, again with the same, uh, you know, pictorial that I was earlier referring to around, you know, how, you know. 
Jiva and Ishwara are like a concave or a convex mirror, which we stand in front of, right? And uh, and that we are, you know, Maya is really sort of two different, distorted sort of, you know, you know, versions. But that doesn't affect us as a as standing on the other side of the mirror, right? And uh, to me, that example was very kind of apt because it talked about sort of how we are essentially a distorted version of, because of the reflection or reflected consciousness, how we are a distorted version of ourselves. But uh, in reality, we are what we are, which is the same all across. Uh, so that was something which, uh, which helped sort of clear in my mind that Maya can have different forms, imagined forms, but that does not in any way, shape or form, change who we really are. Right, and the same sort of analogy applies to the original consciousness and and uh, and Jiva and Ishwara. I, I think you said it well. Actually, I was listening to uh, I was listening to Pradharanikopanishad. That it, it says, see, there are um, stages, right? In in a person's journey, it says initially the person does not know, then the person knows. Okay, like. Right. Initially, let's say the person does not know. They think that they're the body and they think the mind and all that stuff. But then they, they say, okay, no, I am not that. But I know that I'm consciousness. They realize that. But then they don't get the benefit of being the conscious consciousness. It's stage three, right? So then the, the whole idea of learning something new is that you need to get the benefit of that, right? So just because right now the benefit doesn't come, so that means something has to be done. Some work has to be done to get that benefit. And that's, that's what they say is that Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana, the Nididhyasana part, when you keep on doing it on a regular basis, that will make the knowledge what you have gained to become a reality for you rather than just a pure theoretical knowledge. Hmm. I like the way that he says that, right? I mean, okay, we identify ourselves with the Supreme Consciousness today, which is one, but does it solve our daily problems? No. When will it solve? When it really becomes your knowledge, true knowledge, because we fall back and identify ourselves with body for now, for now, and we do that. So, uh, uh, Rajesh, when we met a few days ago, we I think we can you hear me? Yes. Ago, we we just discussed that because I'm going through that uh, kind of phase as well. You know, listening to a lot. Um, absorbing a lot but then it's it almost feels like i think i know it but i don't know it i think that's a sentence i used um and just because intellectually understanding is one level but then to go beyond that and to absorb it and uh, that, that's that's just not there yet right so in 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 that sense it's uh, i know it but i don't know it um and it's interesting that you touch upon it because it was that thought was just crossing my mind that I was wondering what others think about this, uh, you know. So th that's kind of where I I feel I'm I am because now I've just put aside all the theory books on the side, focusing completely on practice, right? Uh, on a daily, on a minute by minute kind of a practice, right? When I say practice, it's a mental practices of, uh, and and what we say, how we think, being aware of the thoughts, how are we reacting. Uh, and and then other things on the mat as well. Sure, I mean there is meditation, there is uh, yoga, and uh, but 
my focus is completely shifted there because I, I realized that um, the uh, for the intellectual uh, knowledge to grow into something bigger, uh, I need to change. At some point it will, uh, that trust is there. But um, until then, I think I need to just work on myself. And that, um, I've been following the Yoga Sutras for this, but this is exactly what is Sadhana Chaturshtam, uh, basically, uh, which is to uh, prepare. And they call it as preparation of the mind, but then I think that's where, I think many of, if you look at it as a pyramid, that's where most of the effort is, right? And we are at the, the, the bottom, uh, probably areas of the pyramid, we need to keep growing up and eventually it will just happen. Right? So uh, it's interesting <laughs> that that thought really crossed my mind and then you mentioned uh, the Breda and yeah. uh, you finished it, the path. Interesting. <laughs> I have the same question often as to, you're right, uh, Kishore, I mean, intellectually I get it, but how do I put it in practice? And and I, and I think about it in the, in the nature of uh, karma yoga. Uh, and again, yeah, the, the, yeah. the whole sort of an whole sort of background of karma yoga and how we are responsible for our own action and our future, etc., is very profound because, yeah. you know, it, it 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 kind of says that you know our future, our kind of uh, as 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 the body mind complex is all in our hands, right? Uh, it all comes back, right? And 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 also the path of how how it really works uh, is is quite fascinating. But in some ways, I think about it as that if I follow the the path of karma yoga. Right. Then I'm hoping, and I don't know how this will work, but I'm hoping that the, you know, I will be able to kind of get to a point where I'll be able to see that difference more explicitly, or not just theoretically, if you know what I mean. Right. So I but think, you're, but so you're right. But, you, but you're right. At this point, it's it's entirely theoretical. It's, it's, I mean, not entirely, but largely theoretical. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, that's the purification they're talking about. It's becoming more and more clear uh, in my mind. Um, say mental purification, that's a big broad term. But then um, karma yoga is one. Uh, the other thing, uh, well, in, in Gita terminology is uh, um, getting or uh, uh, acquiring uh, the kind of properties or qualities, some qualities, and getting rid of some other qualities, right? So um, being aware of that, seeing, because that is very, I mean, uh, very personal in the sense, individualistic, um, we know which qualities we lack, which qualities we want to acquire, uh, and so on. So uh, we'll have to figure that out. I think Rajesh points out in his book, towards the end of the book, there is a table of all the qualities. Uh, we may have to just go through that and see um, uh, which ones we lack and so on. So that's been my kind of practice. Uh, and yeah, um, and, and, but that's the that's the what do you say the practical aspects of it because in the process it is changing us uh, again, right? Yeah. It is changing us. Yeah. Um, uh, it changed us initially when we received the knowledge, uh, when we just heard that, right? We we started starting to think more in, in internal focus, right? We started going more in inward, but now I think um, uh, it, it's it has to. It, it reached a certain level. Now, again, we, we are in a valley. <laughs> At least I'm in a valley. And then I need to go up to the next level and then see what that is like. <laughs> so, so if I may just chime in there and channel that thought. I mean, I'm, I'm much further behind than many of you on this, on, on understanding this. But, but the way I'm seeing it at a basic level is, uh, you know, the analogy is, is when if you join a new organization, and, and I think most of us have had multiple careers. 
um, it takes some time to figure out what the rules are, where you fit in, what what expected of you. And once that clarity sets in, then it's people and you start performing and delivering. So, so I'm, I'm seeing it in that context, that this, this knowledge that we're sharing amongst ourselves is, is giving us perspective of how this body, this mind fits in, 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 in the time and space that we occupy right now. And, and we're getting a sense of what is expected. Now it's a matter of practicing delivering. And eventually there'll be a performance review of some kind. That's the, that's the beauty, I think, in this. Uh, we, we learn a few things and then um, and it, uh, we have to do certain things to kind of change ourselves from the inside out. And then it keeps going in a very iterative fashion. Uh, the more you go back to the knowledge, we derive something else. And then the more subtle and more inward we become, the more we can absorb, right? Um, so I feel it's very iterative. But you're right, Vivek, uh, um, it seems like that. Hey, Vivek, I am expecting that there is no performance review and there is no compre at the end. So let's, let's set the expectation right. We have the kunji bus. So... <laughs> But Kishore, to your point, right? One thing which which becomes very clear to me is, I think we are we are extremely ignorant because every time a new piece of information, <laughs> and I feel that you know um, maybe the, maybe there's a there's a there's a challenge also because you know these scriptures they also talk about the same thing in multiple different ways that sometimes we can get confused. They, they talk about it in different ways because you know different people need to get understand it in their own ways. But sometimes, you know, we we can get confused also. If you understood something, I remember Saku was saying, I, th I thought I understood, but now I did not understand. The point is very really simple. I think, you know, when it's expressed in a different way, we may not associate ourselves with that particular uh, way it is expressed. Yeah, because it caters to a huge number of people exactly from a different background. It needs to be. Uh, one of them might stick for you, right? Um, yeah. The, the, the other, uh, sorry, the other related thought is, uh, um, how do people get into, want to hear the, the, the highest knowledge first, that kind of gives you the motivation uh, to carry on, because you want to understand that now uh, in a much uh, um, deeper sense. And that is the motivation to do everything else. Uh, but on the other side, the barrier to even listen to the first part is pretty high, right? So it, it's kind of interesting how they laid it out and how it's worked um, uh, and how it's going to, and that's probably why all the rituals and other things are there. So it kind of it keeps preparing you in a certain way um, um, so that you're at least halfway there and then it starts to uh, uh, become interesting to hear this at least in the first place. That's how even Gita is structured, right? So it gives the highest knowledge first as a teaser, as a teaser and then starts from yeah. the... <laughs> you know, Interesting how they, you know, it's laid out that way. I'm just mind-boggling yeah. because usually you start to, you know, here is the alphabet, here are the words. Now, so you can start to create sentences from there uh, and then write an essay later. But <laughs> so 
Here it's like, just give you the essay and then say, okay, now to, to learn all of this, you need to start from alphabet and let's go there now. Because, you know, the beauty of it is you might have done all the, all the pre-work in your earlier work. Then you just yeah. start, get it, you don't you know. You just it. have it. <laughs> Again, depending on the number of, exactly. just the diverse number of people where they are in their path. It's so, just amazing. Yeah. So they don't want to waste time of those who are already there. <laughs> okay, you now, now let's start with the others who are remaining. Does the Gita at some point talk about the process of converting sort of this theoretical knowledge to more practical sort of uh, the whole Nididhyasana approach? Yes, yes. Yep. It does. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward it's to assessment. that. Assessment. It tells you how to assess yourself as well in, I think, chapter 14 or something. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Remember that is very simple. Gita has three, 18 chapters, 666. Six, six, okay, first six defines I. Okay, next six defines that. Third six defines am. How do am, am part of it will define how do you make I and that to be equal. So the last six chapters are entirely quote unquote sections for you to figure out I and that as Got it. Do not derail those who are not on this path and who are not interested. Don't just keep giving them this gyan and you know, then they'll neither do you know what they're good at and nor will they exceed at, at this yeah. and on this yeah. And that's why you know uh, that's why you know if uh, if uh, they said that uh, you know if you read the Gita and if you really implement the Gita and like don't need to read any other scriptures. And, and reading the Gita doesn't does not necessarily mean chanting it. Obviously, it means understanding it and reading that. And there are many shlokas which are just completing themselves. You can actually you can pick up one of those, and you will be enlightened if you can just get them correctly. Eventually, this, this is interesting. I mean, if you. If yeah. you if you read sort of or listen to some of the other scriptures uh, or or other sort of uh, commentaries, uh, so I, I, for example, I'm I've begun with Aparvakshanubhuti. Uh, the messages are not different. I mean, it is said in a different way and often better way sometimes from at least what we've what I've heard elsewhere in Tattvabodha, for example. But the principle, the basic sort of message, isn't. Uh, isn't different at all, actually. Hey, Aparoksha Anubhuti is a pretty advanced text. It is for the Aparoksha Anubhuti. Aparoksha is when you will realize it. That means you know the basics and so it, it actually directly covers the element of enlightenment. So this is one of the later texts, actually. Yeah, but I think the, so the, is the, of the starting text. Yeah, but the central messages are not different. And the key, the key sort of yes, is the okay. same yeah, all around here. Yeah. Actually, there's only one message that one must see. That is yeah. the key message. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, how much, how much has been written on that? Yeah. So, if you go through Brahma Sutra or you know some of those texts, there's a lot of khandan mandan, and it is in case you have doubts. So, so again, it goes to. If you get it, fine. If you don't, then there are enough texts. For each each aspect, there is a 
there are theories written on it and then people have their hypothesis and then people other people do their and then that and then they put their hypothesis and they were like phd's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually yesterday i was i was i was in the vishnu sir uh, the the teacher was telling us the first shloka brahma sutra is called as athatha brahma jignasa self has written about uh, maybe few hundreds of pages just to say athatho means atha plus atha whether we should first analyze the second atha or the first atha he written 100 pages i believe correct okay at the end of it he 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 he, he determines something and i don't know what means then he writes another expose that whether you should break that sentence as atha plus atha plus brahma or atha plus atha plus abrahma another 500 pages is written <laughs> and like that there are he says you know the 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 teacher who teaches us is a triple engineer looks like it he says like that there are triple five shlokas like like in the timer he says there are triple five shlokas in brahma sutra so this imagine the volume of, of... yeah i i hope it's written in double spacing <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's written in sanskrit and at that you know even repetition if you start writing it it will go into you know a few hundreds of pages exactly i think i think the the point is you know it's, it may not be required that's the whole point for everyone to read it correct so there was a text i was reading so just the example of snake in the rope how much thesis has been written why that snake appears in the rope and there's a there's so much of text and it's, it's interesting to read through it if you want to just you know read or just say that it is ignorance you know you can just accept it it's right if you are happy with that then you don't need to go into it. but but it tells them why people can have doubts they have and you know why they present their view so so i read six of them and it's very very interesting what people say why Do that you know it? appears in the world <laughs> yeah so do we know if brahma sutras were written later um, or was that along along with the rest of um, i mean i was wondering if these were written um, you know when the debates with uh, the buddhists of the time um, you know when those were going on and were, were they written to as as supportive evidence or uh, to support those debates that went on brahma sutras were written by vedvyas right so after the upanishads after the vedas itself and then yeah. so so shankaracharya has given the advaitan view explaining okay. those sutras but then uh, ramanujan has written from vaishish that's right yeah vaishish yeah. yeah. yeah so so there are people have tried to explain their view yeah. so there are multiple commentaries and then how okay. shankaracharya refutes all of them and that is the accepted one so it includes all the that's why it goes into hundreds of pages because it refutes what is the charvak view what's the shranik view yeah. what is vishishtadvait view etc etc and, and when was this written when what is what period was this written shankaracharya no 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 shankaracharya was 8th i think 8th century or something this is same okay. as vedvyasa so same as uh, all the vedas and the pura uh, and the upanishads yeah so actually you know i i you know uh, I, i was just trying to read you know i was just trying to go back 
to see you know what period this was written uh, the whole tatubada or uh, the sakracharya's teachings or sankracharya's periods so, and it went back to of course 8th century or something so then there are other people who have come later right i mean uh, ramanuja madhvacharya and uh, there are you know people who started believing in i mean who started talking about the dualistic nature of uh, this whole thing so um, uh, you know i mean as as uh, you know latest as uh, 16th century some people have talked about this actually so uh, you know i mean we just talked about you know geeta being uh, the whole geeta is talking about tatvamasi right i mean uh, so if that is uh, you know if, if both uh, jivatma and paramatma are you know kind of converging and uh, you know the only the real consciousness that exists the other people don't believe in that uh, so is there an or you know does it mean that they don't believe in gita or they have they believe in a different version of gita and so on it's the same gita but the the commentary is written on different interpretation is different yeah. interpretation the fact to answer your question in a different way right think of think of it this way it really doesn't matter what matters is what is the benefit that you're going to get it, right? if you think that you believe some theory and say okay because of that i'm benefited go ahead and believe that theory that's what so it's subject to interpretations to many people because each one of us is built differently whether we like it or not that find your guru is important because guru is going to you right you are choosing the person the person or the book or the scripture whatever that is to to satya's point um, you know what i'm also fascinated about is that why in in hinduism we haven't had any major you know battles or disagreements that have entrenched if you look at the other major faiths they've been mired in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, concentration and aggression as part of resolving fundamental questions like we might have and and that's a tangent it's not so relevant to our discussion here but it's just interesting you know these different versions of gita have not prompted people to come out in arms against each other so there are lots of religions you know which have lost their like importance over time like the greek you know ancient greek mythology they forgot and the people converted to christianity and then there are other religions like islam and only hinduism is a religion that has you know survived for thousands and thousands of years how I mean a couple of thousand years and we are and nobody and the biggest i think the chaos right now in india is because of this that you know are the anger i think because our neighboring countries like pakistan has over india is because wherever the muslims have gone they have converted the local population into muslim but they, they have ruled for 400 years in india but they could not convert this into a muslim country so hinduism is one religion that has survived over ages and uh, you cannot convert a hindu to another religion because i don't think we call hinduism as religion we say hinduism is a way of it's life it's a way of life so, it's a way of life right so, the biggest so difference. you know and that is that is i think the main anger why uh, i think pa- pakistan or other you know countries i mean some of the countries have over india is they could not make the, even though they ruled for 400 years in india 
they could not make it into a masjid. They have gone to, you know, Middle East and, you know, so many other countries, but they have converted all of them into Muslim countries. But India could not be converted to a Muslim country. And no, Hinduism... That wasn't the point of my question. Uh, it's not contemporary. I'm saying over the last, you know, 3,000 years or so, which the Gita has been around and there have been lots of interpretation around the message of Gita and how to how to apply it, actually, how to apply it. Um, we haven't had different forms of Hinduism, like you have Protestants and Catholics. You have, yeah. in, 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 in within within the Muslim religion, you have Shias and Shiites. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll pick up arms at, at a moment's notice even now on, on the basis of what are fundamental disagreements on the intent of what is written in their holy books. And we haven't had that within Hinduism. I'm not talking about inter, interfaith conflict, but intra, within, within each faith. We think we do. We do have that. For example, if you look at Shaivites and Vaishnavites, for example, right, they have a different theory. Then again, you look at uh, people who follow Ramanujacharya. You know, me and Mahesh, we follow, uh, we are born into a family where Dvaita is the many countries. Okay. okay. It's just... Let, 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 can you people hear me? It's pretty... Yeah, yeah. So we have this RSS that is, you know, springing up. Yeah, let, let me try to explain to you. Yeah. Takes arms to fight. Hello. Hinduism principle. We have the Ram Ayodhya Ram Bhumi conflict coming up in my on Monday. I think on you know, tomorrow. So lots of things are happening, gearing up, saying other religions in general. We have been Hinduism has been quite peaceful. We you know I mean the principles were so strong that you did not have to fight over to prove one point, one person's viewpoint over other person's viewpoint. The conflicts were not so high. I mean, in general, whatever the principles were laid down in this philosophy is universally accepted by everybody peacefully. That is my understanding. Yeah, let me, I mean, I'll get back on the Vivek's question. See, normally what happens in most of these philosophies, which I understand is, I mean, everything I mean, is defined to solve human problems of life and death. Okay, any problems you are, I mean, you this particular or that particular philosophy, I mean, at the bottom line is they are solving your problems and giving you enlightenment. There is, that is one stage. And second thing is, there is no head per se for this Vedas or thing. Like if you take Muslims, they have a head. And it is book, proprietor, there's a book. I mean, here in Hindu philosophy, it's an open mind. It's for everyone to understand and get enlightenment and solve their own problems. And that is why if you see, there is no head. Sometimes in-house, the head of the family may become the priest. I mean, he teaches them. There's a, for every village, in, in, when I was small, I remember going to small, small villages. Every village, there's a deity. I mean, every village is called by the deity name. You know, that is how uh, it, the thing is projected out in this philosophy. And uh, it and guarantees us enlightenment and as well as peaceful of mind, including uh, what you call this, uh, the uh, solving our day-to-day -day problems from life to death. That is why there's no, uh, all the theories may be difficult, but practical solutions are the same, is what my understanding is. But the point, Vivek, you were making is that there hasn't been any, I mean, 
I, and I don't know, maybe that's uh, that's true, but there hasn't been any violent sort of conflicts within the uh, within the the Vedantic faith, as opposed to the Christians or the uh, Muslims, where there are different parts of the religion. Yeah, so have... I'm talking within the faith, yeah. and I think what yeah, yeah, yeah. is makes sense. What Mahesh says makes a lot of sense here, yeah, because um, I mean, I guess we in 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 Hinduism, Vedantic knowledge and wisdom is more an algorithm given to us to make of it as best as we can rather than strict rules of, of, of what is um, what is what is you know there are no rules doctrine doctrine of yeah yeah you have to adhere to that okay now i think i think yeah at a, at a base that makes uh, and, and swami and, and Swami Sarvapriyarandaji kind of uh, in one of his lectures kind of makes a very useful point, which is that when you look at the Vedantic thought, this is not about saying, you know, Christianity is wrong or Islam is wrong or this is right or that is wrong. It just kind of steers clear from all of that and says it could apply to any sort of religious thought process. It is not like a, it's not like a unique dogma that, you know, only a certain set of people follow. And I think Mahesh or somebody said it's, it's a way of life. I mean, it's nothing to do with religion in some ways. It's more around sort of the more reasoned uh, sort of concept of what what's this kind of universe or ecosystem that we are part of. And just changing topics and moving on to the core topic, what we were the karmas. Should any, would anyone want to um, start off with with their comments or observations from what we have read in the or listened to? From Swami Peace Lectures. I, I think uh, your post, uh, Alpana, sort of summarized it very well, which was summary of what uh, Swami P kind of uh, says. And I think that's the point I was making at the beginning, which is it is all in our hands. What we sow, we reap, or what we have sowed in the past, we are kind of, you know. Uh, experiencing it now and what we do today will come tomorrow and it, I think it goes based on the three sort of different kinds of karmas it it does kind of explain a lot of sort of otherwise fuzzy unanswered questions in our mind as to why is this happening to me why is the world you know why are bad people having a great time for example right that's a common question that you know comes to mind certainly came to my mind several times uh, so I think the framework of Karma to me was a, a kind of a very important uh, aspect. I think it, what it did for me uh, was, you know, I'm kind of sold on that concept of karma yoga, right? I get it, like, right? And so I kind of say, if, if I get it, then I say, I, I need to do the right karmas, right? I need to do what is right because I'm. it will help me in future and I'm accountable for my own future, right? And I cannot blame anyone else for what's happening to me. So in a way, sort of, if you think about this God, uh, you know, supreme consciousness, whatever, it does nothing. I think all, all that we do is us, right? We do something, we pay for it in a good way or in a bad way, right? And even if like in this kind of uh, notion of going to heaven, for example, right? Uh, and I don't know whether that exists or not, but when I go to heaven, I'm going because I have done some good karmas. And I'm going to burn it in heaven, and eventually, that's not a permanent residence. I'll come out of it, and I'll do something else, right? And so, this whole 
it's a, it's a very reasoned scientific approach. And I, I have to say, I mean, I'm, I've been sort of saying it more often than once, but I, I just kind of just like the, that idea. And the one other point which sort of I wanted to make here was that there is this uh, concept where the jnani does not incur any or does not kind of incur any agami karma uh, once it once the jnani achieves enlightenment. And the reason for that was very was very interesting because apparently jnani gets to a point or who is a jnani? A jnani is somebody who has no ego, right? And if you don't have ego, you don't uh, create any karma, right? Right? And uh, because I was kind of keen to understand why don't they have agami because they're still living and they're still kind of doing this. And he explains it to say they don't have any agami karma. In fact, uh, animal does not have ego and therefore they don't have agami karma. Similarly, yeah. right? So if you think about it and sort of synthesize all of this into sort of what do I need to do practically, right? I need to do the right things and all that good stuff, fine, right? But I need to get get around this this kind of imaginary I, the ego, right? That is, it appears to me, and I mean, it's not rocket science now, I mean, now that I think about it, but it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it has dawned on me now that our biggest enemy is our ego. And, you know, everyone says this, but now I can sort of get it. That's what Nirvana Shatakam starts. Mano, buddhya, hankara, chittani. Hankara, chittani, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And so that, that to me was like, the whole karma thing has kind of been, I think to your question, Rajesh, I think you asked me what was that one thing that sort of, uh, you know, threw me away, threw me away, threw me sort of yeah. uh, out was this one, karma yoga. No, very, very well said, uh, Ajay. You know, just to kind of you know, stretch stretch what you said a little bit further and share my thoughts, right? One of the fundamental things that I always think, uh, you know, I'm, I think myself as a very practical guy, okay? I say, okay, what is a, how do I apply? How do I apply? That's a question that keeps coming to my mind. I think you said it very well, and maybe I'm rephrasing what you're saying. The, the thing is, the moment I get that understanding, oh, how do I apply was, first of all, I don't waste time thinking about why somebody else is benefited with, despite the fact that they are not quote-unquote good or why am I struggling despite the fact that quote-unquote I am good. You know, drop those questions completely. It doesn't matter anymore. It's because mind space is freed up to do something else. Right? And, and sometimes I can, you know, I see myself tending to think in that direction. I try to consciously pull back and say, doesn't really, does it really matter? It really mat doesn't matter to think that way. And then get rid of that particular, maybe just listen to some, something else or, you know, do something else. But the, there's a conscious attempt to switch from dwelling on something which is actually relevant. <laughs> My point. Yeah. Yeah. They say, they say, you know, kind of thing, exactly, right? exactly. And, uh, and you know, you, you in your in your uh, meditation sessions, Rajesh, you talk about the word acceptance, right? This certainly helps me appreciate what is acceptance. I mean, rather than just say, okay, I should just accept it because I should just accept it because I've got an option, but I accept it knowing sort of the logic behind it. Now, that's that's, and unfortunately, I can't kind of you know bring that aspect on the on the meditation group, you know. But in this group, it's very clear for you guys, right? What does acceptance mean? Because we yeah. are the owners of, we are the owners, we are responsible for everything what we, what we have, what we don't have. Just to, uh, if I can add to that, um, I was listening to Swami Ji's uh, lectures on Karma Yoga. He has a, you know, it, it's in Tamil, unfortunately, so not everyone can 
probably uh, understand, but the way he explains it is, um, if you look at our, he he says, what are what are the the main, uh, what is the role of mind, right? So when he lists that, you know, obviously the first first part is uh, being the eye behind the sense organs. So that's the one that's, uh, um, you know, in the horse terminology, you know, uh, in Rajesh's book in the same way. So that is one aspect of it. But the two key things related to karma yoga are, he says, mind as the doer, mind as the receiver, right? So when you do something, karta and bhokta, right? So uh, obviously, if you're a doer, you will be the bhokta also. You, it has to be the bhokta as well. So in the doer, as the doer, when you look at that role of the mind, um, there are two things. One is, what do you do? How do you decide what to do, right? Uh, uh, and with what attitude do you do that? So those two questions kind of pop out, uh, looking purely from that role. As a receiver, uh, the questions are related to how do you um, handle what comes your way? Because that was is not in your in your hands. What happened is not in your hands, right? Uh, beyond a certain, beyond having done it, when it comes through, how do you handle it, right? And that's where acceptance comes in. That's where um, uh, santosham or the, the fact that uh, the contentment comes in on the receiving side. And then there is the concept of good versus bad. How do you, there is no good or no bad, right? So, um, and being able to accept it from that angle and uh, economy plays a role there. So uh, he splits it in, uh, he splits the role of mind into five different parts. And these are two of those parts, Karta and Bhokta. Very interesting. Uh, and yeah. how Karma Yoga plays a part within that. The, uh, the other question that I had There is also to... something called collective. Sorry. Go ahead, Mahesh. Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to add, there is also something called collective karma. Like, you know, suppose uh, in a country, why this is happening? Like today we have a China war. Why this is happening? Because we, as a country itself, we had a karma, you know, we are having challenges, you know, as family, we are having a, a family karma. You know? So Ooh. this karma is not limited to us. It is expanded to country, the universe, everything uh, altogether. And that is how we see the effects. Sometimes a good karma, a farmer may sow the seeds, put water, feed, put pesticide, everything. At the end of the day, some storm will come and take it all away. You know, so I mean, I mean, he, although he did all with good intention, good karma, but it goes off. I mean, it is, I mean, sometimes we have to accept such, uh, what do you call, it's a collective karma as well as our own karma. We are sometimes in the choice in that case. Agree. Yeah. But that's no excuse for not sowing the seeds, right? Or tilling the land. <laughs> that's no, that is no excuse. So we have to continue doing our good karma. So we accept including the other's collective karma in being in a country or being in a family. That's a good point. Yeah. That is why we have to put good seeds, good so thoughts in our family to our country. That is the main idea of putting good karma into our families and countries, and that is why they prosper. If you have good karma, good rainfall comes. It works. I understand. You know. So uh, I mean, it all again. Uh, karma is a mental word, but it's shown in the physical world. 
So there's some, there's somebody who asked me why why is India sort of poor and why is US prosperous, for example, and that you know they are Christian and you are Hindu and so you know why why is why is that the case? We have got so many data, one whatever, right? To do with religion, it's to do with karma. Yeah, true. India is the India is really really wealthy because we have the at the core this kind of knowledge and so we can't be measuring in terms of money. You know, interestingly, once I remember when we were traveling and we were on a on a metro or a bus or something, and you know, as you spark you know start conversation with whoever is riding with you, there was a very interesting conversation about you know how they traveled and. after even though you've traveled into in developed nations first world countries third world countries there was this elderly gentleman who said i have been back to india several times in spite of the fact that every time i'm not particularly comfortable the weather doesn't suit me the chaos the noise whatever but there's this sense of peace that's there and whoever is there somehow seems to accept whatever is given to them on their plate and actually makes most of whatever there is how do you so that the conversation came back to you know how do you view it do you view it the same way as how i've observed or is it just an observe you know was it just my observation and i think it comes back to how what one of you were saying now just you know we just seem to accept it there are different karmas you have the collective karma and individual karma and we don't question it we just seem to take it and move on with life and do the best we can with whatever is given to us or what we are born with yeah so like uh, the accommodation you know the you know, the uh, the limit how the tolerance the accommodation i think those those things are very high in hinduism i think the intolerance factors which are you know uh, more prevalent in other religions i think they are not so much in hinduism and that is why people are more at peace even if you do wrong i think people accept you whereas in somewhere else probably if you do wrong my people might not accept you but i think vivek's question you know why is there not so much of that within the religion this whole conflict because i think we are somehow we accept another perspective with a little more with a little more ease than i think other faiths or uh, philosophies or whatever the word is we are we i think for open minded there is a prescribed um and if you don't accept it then there is a conflict so whether it's she has to be protestant catholic syrian orthodox or whatever whereas i think for us if it is okay you are going to follow the advaita way that's fine that's a perspective that you have it doesn't mean that the other person is i'm not saying that i agree or i feel they are right the other perspective but i'm willing to let you for have your perspective to it like time we agree topic <laughs> on this topic time out a little bit because i think the most important thing is uh, uh, you know uh, getting back to talking about the karmas rather than on the religions religions is a different topic let's take that as a yeah. point of time okay um the one of the one of the thing that i uh, i keep wondering 
is uh, how do we deal with the situations that come to us because of our prarabdha karma? What do you guys think about that? Something happens, good, bad, ugly happens. How do you deal with it? Well, those who are enlightened, probably they will uh, think from a, you know, the Prasad Buddhi and Ishwara. Uh, that, that, I mean, if, if I have that knowledge, probably I will, you know, put it on that. But if I don't have it, I'll start blaming somebody. Actually, you know? yeah, Sakuba, you said it very well and you used the exact words that I had in my mind, Prasad Buddhi. There's no point in complaining, just accepting it is the right way of handling it. The pain comes only because we don't accept it. Yeah, and to add in between, this this can happen only when we continuously do Nididhyasana, which is most difficult for every one of us. If we continuously contemplate on the consciousness or the enlightenment, the moment something good comes, we pass it on to the consciousness. If something bad comes, we come pass it on. But since we don't contemplate, this is the challenge which we are facing now. May I add a sort of a slightly sort of innocent way of looking at this? Um, goes back to when I was about eight years old. Um, we used to have a school bus, a company school bus, where my father used to work in Bengal. And uh, there was a time when uh, all, all you know, kids were having a go. So they, they, we used to have Rexine seats. The kids started tearing off pieces of Rexine with a with a knife, and I went, I as well but then i got hauled up for damaging the bus and my father had to pay a big fine so sometime on from you know incidents like that it became sort of a reference point to look at whatever you know dynamics i'm in the middle of right now to look at that from the future what you know how if one year two years five years ten years down the line if i look back at today given the challenges that I'm facing, how would I like to resolve that? And of course, I mean, I, you know, I mean, all this knowledge is very, very new to me. Um, but in a way where I can, and most often one cannot in, in a stressful situation, look back at today from the future to, to see how one would uh, resolve today in the context of longer term. And actually, um, Vivek, there is actually a meditation exercise which talks which talks about how do you accept, uh, uh, you know, uh, things like, you know, the most difficult things that we face, right? Things like people, somebody must have hurt us, somebody very close to us must have hurt us. How do you deal with that situation, right? The meditation practice is very simple. I'll describe it for us, right? And, and Mahesh used the word Nididhyasana, right? You know, and you, you said talk about the future. I'm just combining both these two things. Here's the practice. The practice is, you imagine the situation and then you project yourself 20 years. Let's say you fast forward yourself 20 years. Okay. And think now grow mentally 20 years or 30 years, whatever time frame that you think, not the correct time And then project yourself back. How do you view that situation? And at that time, what what seems pretty huge now, you know, with the maturity of a, maybe a few more years, maybe it doesn't seem that much. 
you know, I fought with my brother several years back and, you know, we were kids and we fight and all that, you know, but you now at that point, if, if I hold anything against him, you know, and I'm still at that baby at the four years, eight year old, eight year old mindset, but if you think back, it doesn't matter. So years to think about that. So when in meditation as a practice, that's a controlled laboratory, you sit down, you imagine that situation, re, reimagine the new situation. And then what happens is it just goes off for you. The situation, the impact of that situation, especially the mental hurt goes down. It's a very powerful exercise. Try it sometime. Especially if you want to get over uh, hurt that is deep down, that happened to us when we were kids. This is a very, very easy way to get. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm just taking it in today. <laughs> Too much of sattva built in for the last one month. I think you should be. I think that's right. Receptive. <laughs> <laughs> so on that, right, I think, you know, we're coming to 7.15 a.m. now. Maybe we'll spend a couple of minutes uh, talking about, uh, you know, updating the rest of the team on the Chaturmasa experience. And maybe I would like Mahesh and Vivek to uh, share uh, today what your experiences are. Well, um, uh, as Rajesh was, I've been doing this Chaturmasa for four or five years. I was always neglecting it because I enjoy food, you know, so I can't. I can't wait for the food to be prepared. I usually sit down and eat too much and continuously throughout the days, you know, from, I mean, right morning to coffee and after breakfast, a coffee, lunch, after lunch, tea, after four o'clock, something, again, you need something. I love to eat, you know, that is how it happened. And slowly, 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 I realized I have become an addict to eating. I mean, it is more of a mental game than actually a physical need. So, as uh, somebody, some Swamiji mentioned, I also mentioned in last discussion, two minutes on the lips and 20 years on the hips, you know, is what the phrase is all about on eating. So, that hit me, you know, so now I really want to come back, I mean, stop moving on the lips and I wanted to see what, I mean, is there anything uh, which we, I can do. I mean, if I'm so weak, uh, is it is it that I'm so weak? Uh, I thought, let me see what I am. And uh, right from day one, I did a cold turkey and coffee and tea. I stopped and started eating only one time a day. I wanted to see whether I have this willpower or not. Stopped eating vegetables, uh, The I mean, as per the norms given by the Chaturmasa one. And uh, I continued, and our group enjoyed different dishes, uh, which has been put it across. And we never, I mean, actually, I never thought of, uh, I mean, we need to eat so much. Um, and secondly, and necessity, food necessity is also not so much for me. I mean, today I'm eating only one time a day. And second time I take a little bit of fruits or nuts now. But before that, I used to just take one mango. 
and uh, in the process i lost too much uh, at least both kgs i lost you know so <laughs> and it's 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 it's, it's uh, I, mean, i mean slowly slowly the willpower is developing and i had a big problem of uh, constipation during this time i mean i mean uh, and slowly slowly it stopped over a week and today the moment morning i get up it's so easy and fresh for me i mean i i can do on sort of activities Otherwise, I used to struggle with hot water and coffee, even for the small thing like that. And today, it has been so easy and fast, and I can get into activity quick. You know, so that has been the biggest, biggest advantage over here. And more importantly, body is feeling lighter. Uh, although the weight has not decreased, but body is feeling lighter. Uh, I need to understand what. Can, can you can you relate to what you're doing at at the Chaturmasa with the Gita theory part a little bit? Gita theory. I mean, I am not listening Gita theory right now. I mean, Bhagavad Gita. I am not listening. What I did listen is Aproksha Anubhuti and Drik Drishta Vinayaka. I did listen complete in full, as Alpana was also mentioning. She listened as a marathon. I also did that as a marathon exercise in uh, listening, and I feel it is the best way to listen. Finish it uh, once you finish, and then if you want, go back on a SoundCloud and listen slowly. because once you finish at one shot uh, then you will have a basic idea of what you are looking at and then you can expound each word in detail when you retain back once i read this i felt like my i am intellectually very very clear but it is like you know my body is like a elephant but my mind is like a mahut although mahut is say he wants the elephant wants to go like this elephant is not going now you know so that i want to <laughs> the intellectual work yes intellect and body is like mouth and elephant now you know now this fight is continues <laughs> on <laughs> and nidhi dasara is the solution you know so now let's hope it are the 2 3 months i'm going to solve this <laughs> good boy and maybe it's a that. lifetime i don't know let's see that you know so <laughs> that's it so <laughs> intellectually everybody is clear you know but the body elephant is not listening and even gps is not helping you know i'm telling the elephant go this way you're not listening you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough stuff with the body of course i don't need to be so tough with the body but i think i'll get over uh, get over this also i'm fully confident on this so with the blessings of god i hope uh, i'll i can do uh, i mean it's a good feeling it's a very very good feeling and uh, i would also recommend in the group to please look into this and uh, start doing chaturmas also thank you i mean i'll keep it brief in that uh, i think i think uh, relating chaturmas experience to the gita is manifestation so i've been i've been in a, i'm now sort of two plus years in a journey that you know mental journey about my association and and uh, this comes at exactly the right time i mean so in in the last 25 years i've probably lost about one and a half times my body weight but all this comes back and you know bit to i can probably challenge mahesh on who can eat more and you know who has a better imagination but <laughs> and I've, i've pretty much eaten anything that can fly crawl or swim a move yeah, yeah in yeah. about you know having traveled to about 40 countries so so food has been a big sort of It's just a, uh, and and in itself, it's a it's a destination. It's a uh, you know it's the pinnacle. It's been a pinnacle of life's quest, if you will. 
But the last two years, I've kind of questioned that and gone through it. And as I was looking for a way to change my habits, and I think Chaturmas has shows me a way of doing that. I was just having, I mean, I've just made some uh, mango khichdi. Yeah, sorry, no, mango uh, curry earlier today from one of the recipes that was shared. I think, I think Mahesh, wow. <laughs> you might have shared or, or I think VP had said that. So I never imagined that I would make that. I mean, I'm, <laughs> biryanis, proper biryanis have been my forte. Um, and my mother-in-law who lives here was pure vegetarian and et cetera. She was asking, don't you miss meat? So I was having this chat with her earlier today as to, you know, why I don't miss I think for the first time, she, she, I'm, I'm just amazed as to how things manifest when you really want them. That's the essence of what I've learned from Gita so far. Um, it feels totally natural. I mean, in one month, I've lost five kilos. It would have been a struggle before. I have lost five kilos before, and it been, but it's always been a struggle. Uh, this is not a struggle. And, and I'm feeling great. Uh, I had an objective of... Uh, really want to start getting up early in the morning uh, so i'm able to wake up four thirty-five in the morning spend two hours just to myself the combination of walking yoga stretching reading listening to uh you know good playlist of uh, of, of bhajans and things it's a, it's a, you know the piece that this has brought is just amazing and i'm you know solely only grateful to the group and rajesh for Introducing this. So inspirational. Yeah. So you have, all of you had the opportunity. You know, every the five months is there. You just finished one month. So Chaturmas is still remaining. So started off. <laughs> so if you want to join, you can join anytime. Even now. You you determine. Try it out. It'll be fun. <laughs> cool. So that's great. Come. So. We have six more minutes. Um, we we have to do the nirvana the conversation once, and uh, then we can probably close our session. Uh, VP and Ajay, do you have anything to share on the, uh, with the team here? Go first, VP. Uh, well, I I think. Uh... I think the one thing that is worth sharing is that, you know, I I, I did uh, Nejala Ekadashi this time. Somebody has, there's a lot of background noise somewhere. Somebody yeah. Something kind of clanging together. Okay, go on. Uh, yeah, so what I was saying is that, you know, uh, Rajesh has been talking about this Nejala Ekadashi. And as I read on the internet, you know, it is supposed to be the best in the sense that uh, they say that if you don't do any of the Ekadashis in a year, but you do just one of these, this like is equivalent to doing all of them. So it's a, it's a major undertaking because you're not drinking any water or anything uh, for this 24 hour period. And I always thought, you know, uh, since April, since lockdown, I've been doing Ekadashi with Rajesh and some of us uh, along with. The, but I always thought I'm not ready for this. And, you know, I always sort of said, boy, this is so hard. Um, but, you know, this time I actually did it two, two days ago. So it's, it's something that I think is amazing once you start to really focus on, you, on, on the fact that you want to try it, then somehow the universe comes there to help you. 
and and I think Rajesh initially at the beginning of the month was telling us that why don't you correlate to um, the the Veragya, the Vivek, and the um, other things that we have studied, and, and point out you know what you are trying to achieve. And I think uh, the more you start to remain pure and the more you start to doing these things, um, the easier it gets. I mean, that's sort of my some experience of first month. Uh, to think that you can actually survive on two square meals. I mean, that, that thing we, Alpna may relate to this, Hindi way, you know, they say that do ki roti mil jaye. And, you know, I always <laughs> keep coming to back to that phrase this month. That I said, wow, that phrase is so true that you don't really need more than uh, two times of meal and, and that's good enough. So I think I think those kind of insights, those kind of uh, things that you always assumed are not true or didn't really feel the importance of, I think a lot of those things have come back into the into my life at least. So I think that's really an eye opener as far as the first month is concerned. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just keep it brief. I mean, uh, I agree with BP. I mean, you know, to me, it's kind of breaking some some of the established sort of paradigms. You know, we just assume that this is how it should be, but there is nothing like that. I mean, I think it's all about. I mean, to me, the the key thing is around, you know. The whole sat uh, lifestyle, whether it is to do with uh, you know what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat, you know, developing a spiritual sort of mindset, listening to sort of uh, you know a good sort of playlist as Vivek described, uh, you know, eating at the right time, sleeping at the right time, reducing screen time, you know. And, and you know, the best part to me, I mean, the, the, the thing that's kind of keeping me going is the fact that I don't feel less energetic. In fact, I, on the contrary, I feel more energetic now, which I think is, uh, is, is really the outcome that I, that was a fear to begin with. I used to worry that, you know, if you eat less, then I will feel less energetic. I'll get weak from within. Uh, none of that. In fact, it's absolutely the other way around. I feel great. I feel lighter. I feel more energetic. And so... I would recommend anyone who wants to come on board, even at this stage, to 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 try it for themselves. Awesome, great. So with that, uh, let's uh, do the Nirvana Shatakam presentation. And so, since you've gone through the entire thing, maybe what I suggest is uh, let's all mute our mics, and I, I will flash it on the screen, and uh, we can you know, at, at the pace at which we will go. I will keep scrolling it, okay. and we can recite it once. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, so let me first share my screen and let me also mute.
So Raj, Rajesh, uh, can I make a suggestion? Go ahead. Yeah. So I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's obviously we all are kind of doing it in our own sort of way, and some of us have learned it, and some are still probably going through it. Given that it is a, it's a good sort of three, three and a half minutes. And again, this is a question for the group. Should we transition into something shorter, which we all can do uh, together? Because you. Know, we can all do this ourselves anyways, right? Sure, we can do that. VP, do you want to the group, really? Purnamada Purnamidam? At the end, maybe the beginning Sahanam Vavatu and at the end Purnamidam? Sounds very good, yeah. I think that's that's fantastic. Let's then, do that. then we'll first give Alpana... And, and, I, and I remember in one in the other group, I think Rajesh... You... Okay, we'll give Alpana one homework first. It <laughs> was some meaning first of the of the Purnamada Purnamidam first, and then teach us how to chat. I'll send it. <laughs> Good one, yeah. yeah. That'll be great. I mean, that's a shorter one, and I like, I, I have heard that it's quite nice. Yeah. If you can help us understand that better, that'd be great, Alpana. Yeah. And you, you, you were saying something, Ajay, I interrupted you at the time. No, no, I was going to say exactly the same, that this is Purna, Purnam, uh, the one which you talked about in the other group. I yeah. thought that was quite apt in the context of Gita. Okay. Okay. So um, we also have to discuss what we learn for the next week, right? Should we get back to Swami Dayananda now? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I feel we should read the entire chapter 10 session now. I'll tell you this is going to be an interesting transition. So you really enjoy it. Trust me on that. Okay. Chapter is not. And can I ask big. which? And can I ask which chapter of the Gita that relate to? Uh, there's a chapter specifically, I'll tell you then, uh, one second, hold on a second. Let me just look into my okay. I forget the numbers though. Uh, this uh, uh, chapter, the way of contemplation. Chapter 6 and chapters, chapter 6 is uh, is the right one, I think. We will chapter 10 for next week of the book. Yeah, 10 from the book, yeah. Okay. Chapter ten from the book. Okay, fair enough. I think the equivalent chapter in, in the in the Bhagavad Gita is chapter six. Okay, so please don't get confused in both, both these two things. Okay, so we'll thanks. Got it. Yeah. Put a PDF on it for people like me who don't have the book. I'll I'll send you because I can't seem to order it here because I'm not getting it, and I need to travel to India to get it. So, no, no, I'll send it to you. If there's an online version, I'm happy to buy it, but I don't see an online version. Not there. Online version is not there. Yeah, I already checked. Yeah. And, like and, one, and one suggestion for you, Anu, if you have an online version, right, you might want to print it out because it will be easier for you to print it to make some notes on it. Yeah, but I don't have, like, for this one, like what Alpana was doing before, or I think, yeah, you know, you just get the scan. Yeah. You, of that chapter, then that helped actually for me to. Yeah. yeah. I'll do the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Right. Hari Om, everyone. See you next next Sunday. Thank you. Bye bye. Everyone. Hari Om.